You can't replace part of the brain. Like, you treat them the same. The source of truth for the medtech industry. Coexists with the province. Robot understands things automatically. Number one show in the medtech industry. So Stryker got ahead of that and changed in the 90s, built a billion dollar company that helped apply a lot of things. State of medtech with your host, Omar M. Khatib. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back, you medical sales savages. I missed you. I missed you so much. Did you miss me? I hope you did. So kicking off 2024 with our first Presidents Club episode, and we got a good one. We got a, not a good, we got a great one. Why is it a great one? Well, for a couple reasons. One, our guest today is absolutely crushing it. Absolutely crushing it. How? In the last few months, I watched this person start to take her professional brand online to LinkedIn and post good content on, you know, in the area that she's in is gynecology. So putting a lot of content on gynecological surgery, OBGYN procedures, etc. And within a few months, not only was she consistent every week, there's two or three posts and, co and content that she's been putting out. But more importantly, the market responded. I started seeing more gynecologists her and customers engaging with her to the point that even a OBGYN publication called Backtable OBGYN tagged, I think, seven or eight physicians and our guest, who is a rep, by the way, because she did such a good job, they see her as a peer. That's just remarkable. And I couldn't be more proud. The reason why I couldn't be more proud is because also, not so coincidentally, this person was a graduate of my program, the Medical Sales Network Effects program. She was an absolute all-star. And I think that the program was really just a little little fuel to the fire that already was there. Guest today is Vendela Martin. Has a great career. She started off in MedDevice uh, back in 2019. So she's not been in, in the space for that long, but she's achieved 100% quota attainment in 2022 when she was at Hologic. She was awarded quota achiever award in, in the same year. And of course, uh, you know, in her current role, she's um, had some insane growth. You can go check that out on our LinkedIn. Now, I do want to say this is that this episode and her interview is in no way, shape or form reflection of the opinions or standpoints that her current employer or previous employers have. This is all her. Before we get on, I want to encourage you, if you're a medical sales rep and you're looking to take your game to the next level, really modernize it so that you can be the most dynamic salesperson that's out there. You can sell capital equipment, you can sell implants, you can do software. The most important thing is understanding a good technology stack and that starts with where your customers are spending time. Knowing how to use things like LinkedIn and email so you can persuade without being in person is super important. I want to encourage you to check the show notes below and join the Medical Sales Network Effects program. It's on-demand recorded video lessons that you can learn at your own pace. So Vendela, I think, took maybe a month or two to do it and then out of the blue, just like executed like none other. Um, we have a private group. So in that private group, there's over 100, uh, not just reps, but we have VPs and CEOs, right? And we do live weekly calls. When I don't do the weekly call, I actually give people to my personal calendar so they can book time with me. So we really go out of the, our way to make sure that the reps who go through our program and teams are in the best position to succeed. And lastly, Something that's really exciting is that just in the last uh, few months, I've been getting more requests from VPs of sales and marketing and even a few CEOs who asked me for personal recommendations of people who went through my program. So we're starting to, I guess, place people through the program. We're not a recruiting agency, but if you're looking for some new opportunities, the program is becoming one of those places for it. So if you want to learn more, check the show notes below. 
go check the program, enroll in it, invest in yourself. You, some of you guys are getting some some tax return this year. Don't use that tax return money to buy something stupid like a Louis Vuitton bag or a Rolex or something. Invest that back in yourself. You never go wrong with an investment in yourself. So with that being said, let's get on to our episode with the one and only, the great, the powerful, the inspiring Vendela Martin. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Another great Presence Club episode. And this one's a little bit different in the sense that, you know, I realized for me as a startup guy, you know, when you work in startups and, you know, sort of mid cap companies, not all companies have like a Presence Club or Royalics Club and everything. A lot of them just have like quota achiever, et cetera, so different types. So for today's uh, guest, it's one of my uh, good friends and somebody who actually uh, is a graduate of my program, the Medical Sales Network Effects Program and has just kind of taken LinkedIn by storm, in my opinion, in the last few months. Um, and that's Vendela Martin. Vendela, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And just as a disclaimer, um, you know, Vendela is here on her own accord. And, you know, as all Presence Club episodes go, uh, these are her own uh, opinions that are going to be expressed. They don't reflect the opinions or positions of her current employer, past employers. Um, so Vendela, first of all, I think the a great question I always like to ask people is how did you get into medical devices? Because very few people actually start out in college saying, I want to go into medical device sales, but you, you're actually one of the only ones that I know that I think your story is like, you did want to go into medical devices. Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yes. So I did want to get into medical device. So I got my sales start at ADP. So B2B sell, sales, selling a payroll and HR software. And then I went to Zimmer Biomet uh, and I was in their dental division. And then I transitioned to Hologic, which is a women's health company in the medical device space. And now I'm at Applied Medical selling V-notes. Fantastic. So, you know, out of uh, college, you went and worked for ADP, which it's always good, I think, to work. If you can't get straight into the industry, it's good to go working at uh, these large Fortune 100 companies, ADP, Procter & Gamble, Xerox. Um, Coca-Cola, mainly because the sales training is so good. What, what were some of the things that you learned at ADP that's kind of set you up for success in medical device sales? So I think the biggest thing is being able to prospect and not just stalking surgeons at the hospital, but picking up the phone, know, like just knowing how to set a meeting that way, not just, like I said, stalking a surgeon at the hospital and just keeping your pipeline full. There's, it's funny because there's lots of basics that I've had people ask me about. Oh, how are you finding surgeons? How are you targeting? What's your messaging? And to me, that's all pretty basic just because I had to do a lot of that at ADP. So I think a lot of people do want to go straight into medical device sales, but I honestly think it doesn't hurt to go to a B2B company like ADP or Paychex. I think you're going to set yourself up for even more success because you have all of those basics. Um, you have all the basics down. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, the thing about medical device sales is that there's, um, there's so much complexity in learning about the procedure, your product, all these things. And I think a lot of people put a lot of energy into that. So that's kind of their their comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. um, when in reality, uh, in order to have the discussions with the physician, you sort of have to earn the right. And to earn the right is like, you know, it's a high barrier of entry for a reason, you know, and you're competing with a lot of other people, not just med device reps, but pharma, biotech, software, accounting, legal, there's all kinds of, you know, 
even even law firms have their own sales teams, you know, and so that that's what you're kind of up against. Um, what was uh, the biggest uh, transition uh, from ADP into like the medical world that was uh, sort of a, a hurdle for you? And how did you overcome that? So the clinical side was by far the most challenging part because yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you went to medical school. It's like learning a different language. Um, but luckily when I was at ADP, like I said, it was a payroll and HR software. And the way I started being very successful was learning as much as I could about HR so I could sell a larger platform to businesses. So I took that same mentality in medical sales was I learned as much as I could uh, about the clinical side because I already had a good sales foundation. So I purchased textbooks. We've talked about this and- um, On your own dime too, right? Yes, and that helped so much. Like I gave that advice to uh, people that would come into the company. So when I did this, it was at Hologic. I would tell people that were starting off asking for advice, go buy this specific textbook that I bought, but nobody did. And even my, even uh, someone in leadership said, yeah, that's a little overkill, but I didn't think so. And it helped a lot on the clinical side, which is where I struggled. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it depends on what, what, what textbook you got, but in my opinion, I think you did the right thing. And the reason why is in order to have confidence, you know, like I think people underestimate how important it is to have like a foundation and, and an understanding of some things like, you know, pathology, physiology, et cetera, mm -hmm. so that you can have confidence talking about higher level things, you know, like you can't, in my opinion, it's very hard to fake those kind of things. And so I think you did the, I, I feel like you did the right thing. And even me, you know, there are certain companies, uh, like we talked about earlier, I'm going to be working with Moon Surgical and helping them out. So they focus a lot on general surgery and bariatric surgery. So, you know, those, uh, all those heavy textbooks at the bottom, you know, are surgical and pathology books. So I'm going to be reviewing, uh, you know, some, some of the basics first before I start getting into procedures, you know, um, when you, um, when you did that, uh, how, how did you, how did you end up studying? Cause I think that this is an important thing that a lot of people don't talk about. So did you just carve out time on the weekends and sat down and study? Like, how did you structure your education? So at first I was studying almost every single day uh, when I first started. So I would carve out like one to two hours almost every day uh, reading the textbook. And it's funny because at first when I started reading the textbook, I did not understand a majority of what I was reading. And but I just chose to keep reading it and I would highlight what I knew and then I would go back to it. But I'd also Google things, too. I would Google information as well. So if I didn't understand something in the textbook, I would look it up online. Um, but yeah, just carving out time on my own. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think um, I'm not surprised you did that because, you know, uh, one of the things uh, that you'd end up doing this past year is, you know, you joined my program, the Medical Sales Network Effects program. And, you know, it's not a weekend course, you know, it's, it's self-paced, but like there's a lot of materials to get through. Um, first of all, like I want, you, can you talk a little bit more about the importance of investing in yourself? I mean, people hear that all the time, but I don't think they take, take it to heart. And for you, like you bought your own medical textbooks. That's something that like somebody can say like, oh, the company should do that. And then, you know, joining my course, it's not a cheap course either. You know, um, 
paid for that on your own and joined in. What what about the course like made you interested to join it? I'm you know I never I don't know if I've really talked about that with you. So I started listening to your content, uh, your LinkedIn content and your podcast, and I had just never heard anyone talk about getting sales off LinkedIn or connecting with surgeons on LinkedIn. That just wasn't a concept I heard anyone talk about. And I do think investing in yourself is very important. And at the time when I heard about your course, we had just finished the year. I had just gotten a good bonus check. So, and I knew, Hey, I want to invest some of this money into myself. So, uh, so that's why I decided to join. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is the thing that, um, you know, I think the industry gets very dogmatic about how it does things. And it's similar to, you know, it's funny is that um, if you think about medical device sales and marketing, we we mirror our own customers. Because if you think about medicine and medicine, um, even though we want to think about it as innovative, uh, it's very dogmatic in tradition on how you do things. Mm-hmm. And everybody follows the same guidelines and books, you know, and, and if you do something new, it's very dangerous. Like you can, you can get, you know, aside from hurting a patient, you can get like ostracized by your peers, et cetera. And so our industry, I feel like is the same way. I mean, it's 2023 and I kid you not, I still hear VPs and stuff, you know, and I like on the, on the Instagram channel, all hail medical sales, uh, reps message me all the time, like how their VPs, their, their guidance on, you know, they'll raise quota 10, 20, 30, 40%. And their guidance is just like, oh, like, just like keep hitting the, keep hitting the pavement and like mm-hmm. find a way into the hospital and everything. I'm like, it's just, you know, really just kind of setting people up for failure because like there's only so much of that you can do. And so I think um, finding new ways to augment, just like it's kind of like we expect our surgeons and physicians to augment the way they practice. It's like, oh, doctor, you should you know, you can use this robotic system to augment what you're doing to be better, right? All these things. And so our industry has to be better about saying that, hey, it's 2023, we need to augment the way we reach physicians. There's nothing wrong with the old ways. Like I, me personally, um, I love conferences. Uh, that's where I build my career, actually, marketing and selling at conferences. I love in-person, you know, selling, but you got to find ways to augment that because the buyer journey is so much more different. If you think about, um, you know, the way we buy things, Right. It used to be that you heard about something and maybe you just like go to the store and buy it. Now, when you hear about something like something as simple as a book, you look it up online, you read some reviews, you check Amazon, you, do, you go through all these things before you make like a $10, $15 decision. And so imagine like it's a hundred thousand decision, dollar decision, million dollar decision, right? You know? Um, Tell me, you know, when you finished the course, well, first of all, when you went through the course, I'm wondering, like, what were the most important things that you learned? And this is not, I don't want to, like, you know, keep talking about my course. The main thing I'm trying to understand is, like, what were the things that resonated with you to make you move into action? Because a lot of people, mm-hmm. they learn, but they don't put it in action. I always tell people, like, if the result of you, like, for me, I read a lot of books. If the result of reading a book is knowledge, like, you're a fool. But if it, the result is action, like that's that's how you become successful and wealthy. So, what were the things that kind of resonated you from uh, that you learned from my course that got you to move into action? And we'll we'll talk about like your your content on LinkedIn in a moment. Yeah. So I think like so some of the messaging that really pushed me to action was 
Um, well, so pretty much like you said, uh, like why, pe like how people buy and why they buy, they will, they will look something up or look a person up before they actually uh, move to the next step. And so some of the messaging around like creating credibility to the surgeons that you want to work with, that, that really resonated with me. But also like when you talked about your own experience, how you started at a startup, right? You started at a startup and then you, like you were able to generate a lot of leads just from LinkedIn. You weren't out in the OR. And of course, I think you need to do a combination of things, but, um, Agreed. but you were able to generate a lot of interest just through LinkedIn. And the, the company that I'm at right now, it's a company where I'm selling V-notes and there's not a lot of surgeons doing V-notes in my territory. So I thought, okay, I need to control what I can control. Let me create some awareness around V-notes. So, so that's what really resonated with me was the creating awareness and of course, creating credibility for myself too. And just seeing the value in posting and creating a brand for yourself too. No, completely. And, and, you know, I think again, our industry is very possessive, you know, like they, they, they want to own the relationship with the doctor. They want to own the rep, but you know, there's no, like Vendela Martin, no matter what company she works at, can't change the product, but you can change the way you service an account, the way you do business with them, the way you support them clinically. Right. And those are the kind of things like, I mean, look, I had Dr. Paul Jacobs come on, um, who's a ortho, really well-known orthopedic surgeon. And he talked about how, one of the reasons why he became a big striker user was that the rep that he had, the striker rep in that area was phenomenal. You know, uh, Sandy White's, uh, she was in pain management. You know, the reason why she chose to be, she, she says she's like, I'm a Boston Scientific gal, is she said like Boston Scientific had the best clinical support um, uh, for, for, their, uh, for their devices, you know? And, you know, and so I think that's a big thing. And the reason why I mentioned this is that I think, you know, more and more physicians are becoming active on LinkedIn uh, because more of them are employees, more of them have to have like a professional brand, a resume, et cetera. Plus they're posting more clinically on LinkedIn. So it's kind of like, like think about it, like being a doctor is hard. And so when you're in the uh, hospital, like for so many hours, you want to connect and network with your peers and LinkedIn is that place. Um, Twitter, they still use Twitter, but it just depends. It's harder to grow on Twitter. It's a little bit, you know, you have fake accounts and trolls, but LinkedIn is a lot more professional. If you think about it, LinkedIn, every time I use LinkedIn, I leave like with good, positive feelings, confidence. I've learned something, you know? Um, but I think the other part of it is that you kind of create a brand for yourself. So the physician like has this interest to say, oh yeah, like I'll meet with her, mm -hmm. you know? And so one of the things you started posting, and I remember seeing it, like it was kind of, it's like this magical thing because I've done, I've, I've had so many students go through my program where like you went through and I think you finished uh, within a, I think within a month, it mm -hmm. took you a little bit before you started posting. And then when you started posting, I'm like, oh, like, here we go. It's like, it's, it's, it's going to, she's going to like see, see the value. And you started with posting just like basic pathology uh, of, mm -hmm. uh, of like, you know, gynecology, that kind of stuff. Why did you choose to start there? Uh, because my goal at first was just to put out content that I thought GYN surgeons would be interested, interested in. That was cool. all I cared about at that point. Let me, 
let me let me be the voice of like uh somebody who's a skeptic is like oh well uh obgyn is gonna know these these things these are like really basic posts you know mm -hmm. like this is not why would they get interested in that what what would what do you what, what's your answer to that so that's a great question and so what i was doing it was all new information like it was new clinical studies or just new findings within their space so i wasn't really sharing something that was so basic like oh this is this is what a fallopian tube is this is what an ovary is it was a news that was coming out in their industry that they might not know about uh, absolutely and, and you know i want to um i'm going to share the screen so for those who are watching on youtube and spotify you can see this but i want to i want to pull up um some of your uh some of your posts here um and so you know you have some you know you you did this so i i think you use instagram or something to put like this uh, uh image behind you and, and and do a voiceover but let me scroll down a little bit to go back in your history okay and we're going to kind of talk through like some of your posts here so like for example um uh let's see let me go okay here we go so you did a new you you posted this new study mm -hmm. right and you essentially did a uh, you did a you did a summary of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, how long did it take you to make a post like this? Okay, so it's funny. I probably spent too I probably spend too much time sometimes on these posts, but uh, about an hour. And but, but what people also don't see is the time I spend actually going through all of the new information that comes out. So it's not like I just see, oh, this is new. Let me put that out. There's a lot of other information I'm seeing, but I'm picking and choosing what I'm sharing. Yeah. And I think uh, the other thing that's important is that you're, you're, and just to be uh, clear, and I, I can't, I, let me see if I can find, find it. But like, you know, something that caught my eyes was that uh, uh, there's, I think, Backtable OBGYN, which is like a clinical publication. They mm -hmm. did a post and they tagged like, seven or eight other well-known physicians and they tagged mm -hmm. you so like yeah. you're looked at as here by your customer which is the that's the pinnacle of being a rep i think mm -hmm. and i think uh the most important thing is that you're acting like a physician because this is, this is like when i was in medical school this is what they teach you which is like every week you need to spend like a few hours going through the clinical literature you know and you can't do that just by like skimming the abstract you have to sit down and read through the stuff mm -hmm. and so what i like here is that you're you're kind of doubling up by educating yourself and staying up to up to speed with the clinical literature, which is valuable because when you have a conversation with a doctor, you can't just pitch your product all the time. You have to have like, you know, you have to talk to them like a doctor would, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then in that process, you are distilling down what you learn into a summary and you might as well just make that public and post it into content. And you're getting great uh, engagement, like 35 likes on this, three comments. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and what I like is that, uh, and we'll talk about OmniCreator in a moment, you, you started using software to, to, to enhance this, which is great. Yeah. But again, like a lot of these posts, like, uh, you know, you go, you go on the internet, you find, let's say a, um, you know, like for this one, this is like, um, robotic surgery maybe. Um, and so you took a, you took a photo of that, posted that, and then took a, um, you said a recent study in American journal of obstetric gynecology, examine treatments uh, for symptomatic uterine fibroids, and then you, you know, summarize it and you, you made it very um, visual, you know, you, you use these check marks. It's very easy to yeah. read this, right? And so 
you're providing a lot of value and you're providing the link for the study in the comments. And again, this one got 40 likes. Mm -hmm. And here's, here's the thing that I want to point out that I thought is brilliant and great use of hashtags, by the way. So you have all the right hashtags, both small and large that your customers use. What I think is great is some people like, let's look at who liked this. Okay. Cause I, I, I already hear objections coming through. So you have people who are in your, uh, in your, um, uh, company, you have some reps, you have a few, uh, uh, physician, uh, students, stu uh, physicians who are in like residency and stuff, um, biomedical engineer, right. I've seen like physicians engage with some of your stuff. I don't know if, mm -hmm. if we have it on this one. So not on this, one. this one just has, you know, yeah, not on this, one, but this one has some fellows, but here's the thing though, that people would say if, you know, a lot of the pushback I hear about is like, well, when we make these posts on LinkedIn, the only people who are engaging are like other reps. Well, all these people are connected to your customers, to OBGYNs, to other physicians. And so when they engage with this content, um, that OBGYN is going to see on their newsfeed like, oh, Ryan or Janet or whoever liked this post and your name, your ha your headline, which is advancing vaginal surgery through V-notes, and the post comes up on their feed. And they just have to see that a few times. And eventually they're going to say, yeah, what's like, I, you know, I'm, I do vaginal surgery. What's V-notes? And then they click into your to your profile, and now like your profile is essentially a landing page and a channel for your company, mm -hmm. you know. And yeah. so you've just done such a great job of this. Oh, and this is yeah. Here we go. Oh, I think this is. is the post. Yeah, the back table. Yeah. So it was um, it was a Dr. Mark uh, Hoffman. So they did like um, uh, a thing on on V notes and everything, but also. You know, this is an this is an OBJN publication, mm -hmm. and here you go. Like you have all these different MDs and stuff, and then they they tagged you right here. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't know. In terms of success, I can't think of like a more successful campaign. Um, how, you know how uh, a lot of your uh, business has been like supporting existing users, but like how has how's it been for you? Like when it go when it comes to going outbound and like prospecting. Like how has this helped yet? Are you still, you know, pr trying to prove this out? So it's funny because um, I actually didn't have a lot of existing users in my territory. So a majority of my time is spent doing outbound. Um, but I would say I haven't I haven't utilized LinkedIn as much yet for outbound. I I've been I've tried it a few times, but and, and I did I did actually have one surgeon who I spoke with through LinkedIn. She got trained. She had her first case a few weeks ago, and she has four cases coming up in the next couple months. So that that is she, so that was a result of what you were doing on LinkedIn. So you did this stuff on LinkedIn. And so far, you already got one surgeon who adopted the technology and is now like like using it, not just you know doing it sparingly. Exactly. And it's a process because the surgeon needs to go through our training and then, and then they're able to start doing cases. So, um, so there was that, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say, no, you you did the right thing, by the way, you know, which again, this is like, this is the thing. And I'm, I'm proud of you because like, this is hard to do. This is mm -hmm. not supposed to work in like a few weeks or a month or even a quarter. Like this is an ongoing mm -hmm. thing, you know? And I think that what people forget is like, like if you're selling capital equipment and your sales cycle, your sales cycle is like nine months, then you need to, you know, whatever campaigns that you put effort into, you need to judge them like, you know, after a year, mm -hmm. you know, and I think a lot of people, 
people they give up so soon it's just like you know it's like it's like you know i know you're into fitness like me it's like working out it's like it's like oh well i tried the linkedin thing or i tried this and i you know i i didn't do it and i'm like how long did you try it like and i and i'll go look at somebody's activity i'm like you made two or three posts mm-hmm. in one month i like that's 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 how you're judging this i was like i was like that i was like it's not enough to do two or three posts in a week sometimes yeah you know and, and so yeah and so one thing i do want to add because you know we were talking about the one surgeon that just started doing cases I, I feel like there would be whoever is listening to this would be thinking, oh, well, sh- what, she's only gotten one surgeon from from LinkedIn doing cases. But I think like that's not even the goal right now. Like I'm trying to if you listen to Gary Vee, he talks about give, give, give. Like I'm trying to put out um, quality content and then eventually I can get to that ask. But I'm not connecting with surgeons and then immediately in their inbox. I'm trying to like cultivate, I don't know, somewhat of a relationship or credibility first. hundred percent. And I think like, like here, here's, here's the thing, which is like, and again, uh, you know, this is, this is where it's a very simple, very simple. And I would say primitive way our industry thinks about selling and like LinkedIn. So, okay. You got that one surgeon. Okay. Let's just, let's just say that that's, that's the critique. Okay. That one surgeon though, if you've, as, as it's happening now is going to become like a strong user, which Mm -hmm. means that they can become an advocate for the technology. And even if they're not publicly advocating for the technology, you can capture photos, do an, like an interview that turns into posts and post customer success stories of that person onto your LinkedIn. You can send those posts to other OBGYNs say, Hey, Dr. So-and-so just did this case. You know, I wanted to share with you, you know, her posts and everything. And then that starts creating a network effect so that other surgeons, and this is how anything works. Like, look, love him or hate him. There's, there's multiple reasons why it happened. But like one of the reasons why Donald Trump won in 2016 is that the way the human brain works is that whatever you see most often, you assign importance to it. This is why Coca-Cola, like, look, would you agree Apple is one of the most powerful brands in history right now? Like Definitely. on planet Earth this is the most powerful. Brand. Why does Apple take billboards out in San Francisco? Why do they market even? You know, it's because you have to stay in front of people and and hold their attention so that the day that they have that problem and they're looking for that solution, they convert to you. Mm-hmm. People who are absolute morons when it comes to marketing, this is the other, like I hear these people in my head because like I've, I've heard all these objections like, oh, and I'm gonna, this is my favorite uh, impression of like, oh, but Omar, well, Elon Musk and Tesla, they don't market, they don't have a marketing budget. I'm like, yeah, they don't have a marketing budget. Meanwhile, you have by far the most viral marketable man on planet Earth as your CEO. And oh, by the way, he owns Twitter, which is just this massive megaphone. Like, why do you think like this is the thing I tell people like, yeah, sure. Elon Musk had some altruistic reasons for buying Twitter. Why do you think he bought Twitter? Because at the end of the day, like it's all about attention and leverage. Right. And so I think you're doing the right things. And Again, like when it comes to driving behavior change and adoption of new tech, this doesn't happen in a month, you know? So, and, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to give one more thing. Cause again, like the way you're thinking about it, I, I wish I can just replicate this across so many reps. Um, let's imagine not a single OBGYN on planet earth is on LinkedIn. Let's just imagine mm-hmm. that radical thing. So mm-hmm. why would you post? 
The reason why you would post, aside from the fact that it is marketing and branding you as a knowledgeable professional to your peers, it also helps with attracting other, you know, talented employees like to 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 recruit top eight talent. There's a reason why you hire recruiters and pay them a lot of money, right? But again, and you mentioned that there have been some people who reached out that want to learn about your company, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're like, oh, like I respect Vendel Martin. I want to go work at her company. The other side of it is that you're in a process of teaching yourself. So that mm -hmm. can translate in person. So a great example, the mad device rep went through my program. He was like one of the early uh, class and he, he did not uh, post on his personal account. So he's a, he's a capital rep, right? But he used LinkedIn to constantly read and learn about cases from physicians. And then when he was in person at a, at a hospital, he ran into a surgeon, told her about some, you know, cases he saw on LinkedIn, asked her some questions about why she does a case a certain way. And she's like, yeah, I never thought of it that way. She's like, he's like, do you want to try our product and maybe just pilot it? And she, and he converted that surgeon, wow. right? So this is what, this is how I feel like there has to be more of a sophisticated way in looking at how we do these things, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, I mean, and that's why, like I even said with the posting on LinkedIn and not reaching out to surgeons immediately, like there's a more of a sophisticated process to that because I know personally, I don't like when someone connects with me and sends me a message right away asking for a meeting or trying to pitch me something. Yeah. That drives me crazy. Exactly. Yeah. It's same, same here. It just doesn't work. It's, you know, sales is very much like dating. You know, you, you, you can't come off like needy and just like, you know, the, like there's a little bit of like nuance to it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, now something I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about is, um, when you, when you do go outbound, so have you gone outbound, you know, to, to surgeons, uh, yet much when you do, like, what do you, what do you do? Like, do you, do you do it mainly just on LinkedIn messenger? Do you get their email mess email into what, what's your workflow look like? Uh, so it's, di it's different all the time, but like my, my kind of process right now is like, because there aren't a lot of users and I cover all of Los Angeles, which is a pretty big, big area to cover. So I will usually, this is going to sound simple, but I'm just going to give you an example from recently. So like I called a surgeon's office who I looked online, thought they might be a good target. Called the office, figured out who schedules the meeting, tried to find out as much information as I can about the surgeon and just about what the office offers. And then just ask, hey, how, like, what's the, how do you, how does the surgeon usually uh, take meetings? Like how do, how do reps go about scheduling meetings? And and then I will, of course, ask like, hey, can I schedule a meeting with the doctor about a new, a new approach that I think would be beneficial to their practice? And usually, you know, I'll get some pushback and, and, and I'll say, okay, how about this? I will send them, I will send an email just explaining what the approach is. And then can you forward that to the surgeon? And then I'll follow up in a couple weeks if I don't hear anything. And that's usually my process. And then I will, if I don't hear anything, I will always call back. And then at least I have an email. And then I will also go in person down the road. But I, I just try to make it um, 
just as seamless, seamless and simple as possible. And that might sound kind of like an elementary process to someone, but I promise a lot of people don't pick up the phone and you can find out a lot of information by picking up the phone. So then when you do go in person, you're not going in blind. Like, hey, I know who the scheduler is. I know what the surgeon does. Not all surgeons have a website. It just says they're an OBGYN. Doesn't say anything that they do or specialize in. Um, but yeah, that's that's part of my process. Got it. No, that makes sense. Now, um, again, like you're already quite advanced when it comes to the content game, but you started using uh, my software, OmniCreator, uh, to essentially create your posts, schedule them, and everything. Tell it so. First, what was the thing that got you to adopt OmniCreator? And then what does your workflow look like? Because I think a lot of people, when they look at making content, they get really intimidated and they don't know kind of where to start. Yeah. So I, so are you really asking like why I like using OmniCreator or what I get out of it? Yeah. Well, I think, I think what's, what I, what I'm curious to know is like, what, what was the thing that made you say like, yeah, let me try using this aside from the fact that I think I invited you to to use it, but what. What, um, what was the thing that made you start using it more? And then how do you use it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so I tried it, of course, because you invited me. And so I, I well, and be well, and because I went through your program, I trust you and what you recommend. So I figured, okay, I'll give it a try for a month. And, um, but I really liked just being able to customize my posts. So, so for anybody that was watching when you were showing my posts, um, and someone can look at my post too, but you're able to bold things, italicize things, and just like add little features to your post to just like make it easier to read. Uh, so I, that was my favorite thing about it. And then the scheduling, I love like just being able to see all of my posts on the calendar. So if I need to change anything, I can do it pretty easy. So the customization and the scheduling are what I like most about it. Got it. Yeah, no, same, same here. And I think like, um, you know, the, the people who are most prolific at making content, some people do, do, uh, posts and, uh, posts manually, but it just gets so hard to, it's a lot easier when you use these, uh, like software tools to help you not only create the content, but also schedule it, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. and then when you create your content, do you sit down once a week to do it? Um, I, for me, I, I have like a, a like two different ways I do it. One is like, I do sit down once or twice a week to schedule out content. Um, but then also I, I on the fly, like, um, if something comes up, I'll make a post. So like these days, you know, my posting is, you know, I think I post maybe minimum twice a day, Monday through Friday, and then sometimes weekends, but how, what's your workflow? Like, how do you like to create content? Okay. So it's kind of changed over time. At first I was more rigid. Like I would, I would post, I would create posts Sunday night, spend a few hours Sunday night doing that. But now my process is a little bit more like yours. I do schedule time throughout the week to like review information and create posts, but then I'll also create things on the fly. And then I also text myself ideas, like even like as I'm going to sleep, I'll get an idea like, oh, I think this would be a good post and I'll just text it to myself. So then I also have all of these ideas to review at a later time. I do the same thing. I either email it to myself or I, uh, I do text things to myself. There's probably more efficient ways. Like I use Evernote, but um, mm -hmm. I do need to come up with a better way of like capturing ideas. Um, 
And I think that's the other thing is that like, sometimes you don't have to come up with something completely scratch. Like there's a lot of great content out there. And I think a key is like taking that content and like putting your own spin on it and introducing it to your audience, you know? And again, like some people, I always tell them like, it shouldn't always be about like, clinical stuff or your products and everything because you know physicians have other interests they have interests interest in psychology leadership you know for me one of the things that got me most known with a lot of surgeons like you know across the board spine surgeons orthopedic surgeons general surgeons was um when linkedin released their video feature like many years ago i knew somebody uh goldie chan uh she's, she's a big linkedin influencer so shout out to her she got me access to it because she emailed linkedin she's like you know you should let omar have access to this feature and so i made a book review video every week for three years and so a lot of people criticize me they're like oh well like how's this relevant to selling to surgeons like what and the reason why is a it's very top of funnel so it's going to get a lot of eyeballs a lot of interest and at the end of the day i don't know dr smith's interests outside of medicine versus dr jones but at some point one of those topics is going to resonate with them and i need them just to watch one video of mine where i educate them about something and now i've i've made a place in their mind where i'm i'm an i'm a teacher right that's a very authoritative persuasive thing and so like a lot of these surgeons i've never met before i didn't even have a conversation their only impression of me is that they have learned something from me in the past and they may not even remember what it is, but the fact that I've occupied that space in their subconscious puts me in a very persuasive position, which mm -hmm. is why like, you know, sometimes people are very like shocked when I get certain CEOs, even surgeons who are really, really heavyweight names to come on the show. And it's partly because there's that subconscious persuasion that was done many years ago that's still there. You know, that's kind of the wild thing about this, you know, and I think like for you, you know, right now you're at this company, you're, you know, you're early in your career. So you're going to be at other places as you grow. I always tell people like, don't just grow your network with the, the market you're, you're in right now, like add other markets like spine, ortho and everything. Cause then you start something new, you know, it's going to be very easy for you to get traction. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, before we got on the on, on this set, a lot of like VPs and executives actually reached out to you personally, complimenting your content. Like, how how how's that? It seems I, I bet that's a great way to pick up like some some mentors even. Oh yeah, and a nice ego boost too. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Look, I'm I've been doing this for such a long time. It's still like I still love it when like a CEO or somebody that, you know, I won't mention some, but like some big names, send me a random message saying like, Hey, I've been following your content. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, totally. We, we all need that. We're human. Yeah. So I'll just read this one. I got within the last week. That was actually, yeah, the VP of sales. He said, Vendela, just sending a quick note to say how much I enjoy your posts. You're a great influencer for women's health and the V notes technology. Keep them coming. And, awesome. and not even in the same industry either. Uh, he doesn't, it's not a women's health company. So I don't know. It's just, it's just so cool. And I would never get, I would have never received a message like that before. And then also something else. So even people within my company will message me saying how helpful my content is to help them learn about V notes and, um, you know, and I just get messages from so many people. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's also just rewarding to know, Hey, like they're actually people that enjoy the content and they feel like they're learning something. So, so that helps, that helps keep the momentum going too. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, you know, all these things like from the, the ability to prospect and develop a market to, you know, publicly having a reason where you're constantly learning and educating yourself and embodying and then, you know, there's a professional, I think all these reasons make using LinkedIn and being active on there so much more valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, outside of all this, like, what do you do um, to, uh, you know, continue developing yourself professionally? Do you like listening to podcasts? Do you do you read books? Like, what, what do you do outside of this? Uh, so both. So I read, like, so I love reading books. Um, but I I read summaries of books too so there's an app called blinkist have you heard of it it's a okay so i love blinkist i will like and i'll listen to audiobooks um listen to podcasts just pretty much any anything that i can learn and then of course put into action i'm doing and then and then i've purchased like uh, there's an so her name's Katie Mullen. She has a like a sales training program. I had purchased her program. So, um, so and like, really, yeah. I'm looking for How much a good did you pay for her program. You what? How much did you pay for Katie's program? Uh, I think it was. I, I don't know if I should say her price, but it was under a thousand. It was under a thousand. Okay. It but wasn't the, a lot. Yeah. The reason the reason why I mentioned this is the importance of like. I know people are always looking for like to spend as little money on themselves as possible. Yeah. And it's just really dumb. Like, for example, for me, um, I, I have a goal. It's not really a goal, but like I allow myself anywhere from five, sometimes even closer to 10% of my income to be spent on education, you know, like every mm-hmm. single year. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only way, I, you know, it's the only way that you actually make more money is when you get educated and learn about new things that you can apply in new ways and everything. Like this whole notion of like, I'm just going to work harder at my job. Like, even if, you know, it just, it's just not, it's just not the way it works, you know? No. And, and you can speed up your learning process. And I'm actually, I'm actually trying to find a, another medical sales program, like something with. Good for you. You should. And, but I haven't, I haven't found any yet so like one like with a lot of actionable um like actionable tactics and tell me tell me like you're talking about like um like like objection handling and that kind of stuff yeah and i guess just like more sales process because it's funny i was thinking about this the other day there's a lot of like sales tactics for like SaaS sales on LinkedIn, like you see that all the time, like, oh, these email tactics, but there's not as much for medical sales. Like you hear mm-hmm. a lot of, I mean, like, oh, we're Carter or um, I don't know. I just don't feel like there's as much tactical Interesting. information. That, that, might, that might be a good reason for me to uh, like look into adding more to my course. So like for my, for my thing is like, I, I like to add more things and then the people who are already in get the benefit of those, those things. Mm-hmm. So I, that might be something I should look into. And, but you're absolutely right. I was, you know, so like a, a concept I was thinking about the other day is that, you know, there's some like really heavyweight execs that are sales execs. I know that are like retired now or like, you know, they're, they're looking for other things to do. And I was thinking of like, maybe I make my program cause I, I've already done this with a, with a physician on something separate kind of like masterclass then i help some of these execs like distill down what they learn in terms of sales processes etc mm-hmm. just make courses out of those you yeah. know so I, I agree and you know just like how you asked me 
kind of what my process has been for outbound. I don't know how well I articulated that, but I have a lot of people ask me, hey, how I go about generating new business. And, you know, and that's not something I hear that often, like so a lot, because a lot of it, a lot of the content I see, it's like, oh, people that already have established business and they're growing it, like maybe ortho. I see a lot of ortho, but what about people that are just like their their products completely new to the market? They don't have all of these established relationships. And of course, I've figured that out, but there's not a lot of content. I don't know if people are trying to hide their tactics, but this is, this is yeah, this is the thing. Mad Device Rep and I spoke about this, that this is a problem is that like with marketers, uh, marketers like we love being in uh, like Slack channels and groups with each other and sharing what's working, what's not. But sales, but especially especially med device sales is very. And again, the way that um, our our customers are is kind of the way our reps become. So surgeons are pretty secretive. They keep mm -hmm. you know, they're very competitive. They don't share things with each other very often, etc. And so reps are the same way. And so like you know. Uh, we we put together a Discord group uh, a while back, and like just getting people to engage and you know like on multiple occasions we tried this you know Mad Device Rep we did this on a Discord group we did this on an Instagram subscription. It just reps are very like they like to keep things to themselves. And I, I even know of reps, and I, in a weird way I kind of I kind of get it where within their own organizations they they're not willing to like share things because they're like why am i going to do this because like this will help somebody else it's not going to help me mm -hmm. you know so i think that's that's a problem and a barrier that like we got to break down i don't know how it's going to be it's gonna be hard you know i don't know how either and i think it's i don't know if people are scared that hey if i give up this information then it takes away from me but we all have different territories yeah I know. I hear you. I, but, but I do get it. I do get it. Yeah. And I think, you know, if that's happening within like an organization, then, you know, like if people are this competitive and secretive about what's working for them within their own company, then definitely outside mm -hmm. their own company, there's no way they're going to share, um, mm -hmm. which is part, that was part of the reason why I put together my program and I'm trying to do like, um, you know, more coaching calls and stuff. But yeah, no, that's, it's something very unique to our to our industry, um, but Vendela, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, but first, I want to kind of uh, do some rapid fire questions first, okay. and uh, and and uh, get your quick response. You can take as long as you want on this, or as short as you want. Um, oh, and then by the way, just real quick side note, uh, I forgot to ask, but when when it comes to using OmniCreator, what what's your number one most favorite feature, and why? Uh, the customizing posts because it just it just makes it easier to read. So like if somebody looks at uh, some of my clinical posts, I use that a lot, like bolding, bolding words or using check marks. Um, like if I link an article, I will put a little book emoji. And I just like all the all the customizing because it makes it easier to read and it looks better too, I think. No, totally, totally. All right, so here's my questions. Um, First question, what's a interesting thing you bought from Amazon in the last like year or two that's under a hundred bucks? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm like looking around to see if I can find something. Um, great question. 
come back to it. I'll, okay. I'll... Now, now I want to look through my Amazon purchases. Yeah, I've actually been trying to purchase. I'll, I'll share one that I just got recently. I'm like the king of buying like cool little gadgets. Mm -hmm. So this is this looks like a pen, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you pull the top off, right? And it's called a Hoto. H O T O. Mm -hmm. Okay. Really poorly named product, by the way, because if you speak Spanish, you'll know that that's a derogatory term. But H-O-T-O, and you pull, and it's 20 bucks, you pull this part out, and it has all these little, uh, like, uh, hex, hex, hexagon drivers, screwdrivers, and everything. So it's just, like, perfect for on the go when you have to, like, open things up, I think, as a rep. So I love, I love that. That's, like, one of the cool things I got. And the other one, this is right under 100 bucks, is Ember has this smart mug where it keeps your coffee hot. And I know it sounds like a crazy thing to spend like 90 bucks on a coffee mug, but seriously, I drink less coffee because a lot of times when you're drinking coffee, you're just filling it up to get hot coffee. Mm -hmm. This thing just keeps it hot all the time. All I right, like that. now you gotta I give me an answer. Cool Amazon product. It can be okay. anything, it doesn't have to be that cool. Okay, it's kind of cool. It's either cool or a little dorky. What's so. That? It's this. So it is this visor that you wear while you're driving to protect protect your face from the UVA and UVB. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that's like that's like that's that's adorable. You're 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 literally driving in in your car with this little visor. Yes, that's amazing. I've, I've never heard anyone say it's amazing. But well, you know, it's true though because like like I'm big on the on sun, but you know, I need. I'm trying to get better by wearing just a little bit of sunscreen protection just on my face because it wears. I mean, and you have, I mean, your face is like super tight and clean and, and no, you know, non-wrinkly. It's great. But yeah, the, the sun, the UV rays like will have an effect on your face over time, you know? Yeah. So. And, what, and, and like as a rep, you're driving around so much and, and this image will haunt me forever. It, it, anyone can find this. So it's this picture of a truck driver. Half the so the left side of their face is just completely wrinkled and just sun damage, but the right side of their face does not have as much damage, and that's just because of all because of the, the route that he, he's been taking the same route over and over again. Oh man, wow! Yeah. yeah, I gotta look that up. I gotta look that up. All right, uh, next question: um, What's a what's a new podcast that you've been uh, listening to that you really like a lot? Oh, okay. Um, so it's actually a doctor's podcast. Her name is Dr. I think it's Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. I think I know who you're talking about too. Yeah. She's pretty active on LinkedIn as well. Uh, so I recently started listening to her. Um, but like I just listen to pretty much any sales or medical device podcast and like, and, and also like, uh, self-development podcast so i like brendan Bichard. I, I don't know how to say his last brendan name but Bichard. yeah so like anything like that because you know you need to have a good mindset to be in medical sales no totally i would yeah. say, like i would say a new a new podcast read that i've been listening to is uh, the all-in podcast this is like with jason calcanis david Sachs, and these mm. two other guys i forget the names but essentially they're all very like uh politically like they have different different mindsets but they're all like uh venture capitalists they're like really successful mm -hmm. uh, entrepreneurs out of silicon valley and they they like talk about various topics in in 
going on in the news, right? So they'll talk about like political stuff, they'll talk about investments and everything. Um, oh, Chamath is one of them. He was like early employee of Facebook. And these guys are just so sharp. And to hear them discuss and debate certain topics, like for example, I'll give you a great, great one, which is, uh, you know, Adam, Adam Neumann, the guy who founded WeWork? Yes. You know, so like that guy, you know, like he, there's all these like documentaries and movies about him, about like how he, you know, you know, uh, uh, was a fraud and all these things. And they took a different, and, and he just raised $350 million from Andreessen Horowitz for a new thing. So people were like, why would they invest him and everything? But they kind of broke it down. They're like, yeah, you know, you may not like him, but like, here are actually some like reason, reasons why like Andreessen would make that investment and everything. So it kind of changed my mind about it. And so mm -hmm. it's just hearing guys like that at that level talk about, you know, trends in technology and the markets, housing, all these kind of things, it like really elevates your thinking. Um, all right. What's a, what's a great book that you often recommend to people? Can be it doesn't have to be sales. It can be anything. Okay, I recommend. Geez, there's so many good books. Um, but the mm -hmm. one, okay, just like I, I always like <laughs> in my library. Yeah. Uh. Well, so there's one. Okay, so I'm only going to pick this one because it's the one that I always, uh, like I start listening to certain chapters if I'm kind of in a rut with sales or just like you know, struggling in whatever way. It's the magic of thinking big. Oh, it's a great, great yeah. book. I always, every now and then I reread the first two chapters. Okay. That's funny. I usually reread, I, I think it's chapter six and maybe chapter seven. I have to look, but so I heard about that book from listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast. Yeah. And same here. That's, <laughs> same and here. That's one of the books that he always recommends. And I thought, okay, if he's recommending it, I need to listen to it. And I have the audible and the physical copy. I, that's, that's, I should get the audible one. I don't have the audible. Well, it's yeah. It's worth having the one I have an audible that I always re-listen to constantly is, uh, um, how to stay motivated by Zig Ziglar. It's a classic. Oh, I haven't read that one. Oh, you should. Yeah. So get it on audible. It's, it's powerful. Actually, that's like in my mentoring, that's like the first thing I, I, whenever I mentor somebody, I have them listen to, I have them listen to that once. And mm -hmm. then I have them listen to the book 16 times. It takes about a year, year and a half to do that. But the stories, the way the guy talks, all things is, is very powerful. And the idea is that it gets very much programmed in your head. So that when you hit, hit like an obstacle or you're having a bad day, his voice magically pops up. It's, just, it's really wild, but yeah, the, the, how to stay motivated by Zig Ziglar, you can look it up on audible, but you can also look it up on uh, Spotify. It's free on I Spotify. To to that. I will add one other book and yeah. you've talked about this book a lot, 48 laws of power. Oh man. Favorite yeah. book because it just helps you understand people. And I think people think it's such a bad book, but it just helps you as human psychology and understanding yeah. your workers, leadership, surgeons, people in the hospital. It a hundred percent. And like, I, I tell people all the time, like, look, you don't have to like these laws, but you gotta learn them. Yes. And you know, there's, there's the, uh, the large version, which I have, which has, mm -hmm. you know, and the good thing is that there's a lot of history books from a lot of history in there, but there's also the pocket mm -hmm. size, the concise one here. I have it right here on my desk, actually for, for quick and easy access. Oh, this is, this I just, have that one. Yeah. I didn't know they made a concise version of it, but I bought all of them because I, I love his books, but yeah, it's really good. And actually, um, shout out to the, to the goat, Robert green, by the way. Um, he's, he, he's great. 
Yeah, he's great. He has um there's like a is it a 30th anniversary? This year's like the 30th anniversary or maybe even 40th, maybe no, 30th. I have to check of the book. So they came out with a um a a a leather bound version of it, mm-hmm. which I want to buy. But then the pages, like you know, in you know back in the day, they used to make like images in the pages of a book. So when you when you flip when you pull a book one way or another, the image changes. So it sh- it's yeah. like a picture of him, and the mm-hmm. other way it shows a picture of uh, the prince from Machiavelli. Oh, okay. yeah. So yeah. I want, I need to get that book. But yeah, great book. If you're a rep listening to listening to this, like go through the 48 laws of power and identify the three powers that you violate most often. But the one I always tell people, which is the most, I think the most dangerous one to violate is law number one, which mm-hmm. is never outshine the master. Yes. Very, very dangerous. Um, so awesome. Well, Vendela, thank you so much for coming on the show. And where, where can people find you? So LinkedIn, they can just look you up as Vendela Martin. Yes, that's me. Perfect. No other socials? Uh, so I created an Instagram, but I haven't even used it yet. So, but if somebody wants to find me on there, I think my name is official Vendela Martin. Oh, I like that. I think, I think, but there's not a lot of Vendela Martins, so it will be easy to find me. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Vendela, thank you so much for joining the show. There's been another episode of the state of MedTech. If you have a recommendation for a presence club, uh, guest, shoot me a message on Instagram or comment below. You can comment on Spotify or YouTube and let me know. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for enjoying another epic episode of the State of MedTech. If you're feeling inspired and love this episode, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button and turn notifications on so you never miss an episode. And be sure to give us five stars and write a short review because that helps more people discover this amazing community of ours. If you're a company who has a executive that you'd like to be on the show or perhaps you want to sponsor one of the episodes, shoot us an email at hello at Take care and we'll see you next time.